In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Cinda or become a member of Cinda, which is a nonprofit organization, please go to www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world, but we also have listeners from over the, all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, Let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, the connected world is having on our organizations, what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. And if you miss our live show, don't worry because we are on every major podcast platform. Now, I also invite you to connect with me. Please send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure that you take away something useful for yourself or your business. Now, on to today's episode, change is inevitable, and it sometimes it is in our control, and it is deliberate and predicted, and sometimes it is out of our control. Sometimes there are slight changes, and sometimes we face changes of magnitude like we all faced over the last 18 months. But as leaders, we have to know how to deal with change, and how we deal with change is reflected in how our employees deal with change. Our approaches, reactions, and attitudes either lead people to change or have them resisting it. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the levers we can use to best implement change while getting everyone on board the train. And our guest today is an expert in this area. Jake Jacobs has worked in 61 industries for more than 35 years, from high tech to manufacturing to hospitality to entertainment and finances. He's consulted 96 organizations from Fortune 50 to national nonprofits and community theaters. He supported more than 210,000 people directly on important changes they were making to themselves or in their business. Everything from strategy implementation to cultural change to mergers, acquisitions, and leadership development. He's partnered with CEOs, frontline workers, change makers, and middle management, and organizations like Ford, Kraft, and Marriott. He has also helped create change in the city of New York, UK's UK's National Health Service, and the United States Army and Navy. And he is the author of Leverage Change, Eight Ways to achieve faster, easier, better results. And it's fresh off the press this month, available on Amazon. He also has other books on Amazon, Real-Time Change, uh, Real-Time Strategic Change, How to Involve an Entire Organization in Fast and Far-Reaching Change. And he was a co-author of Collaborating for Change, Real-Time Strategic Change. So Jake, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kimberly. I'm glad to be here. 
So you've you've written quite a few books, and um, your your new one is kind of fresh off the press on levering change: eight ways to achieve faster. What made you write this book? Well, Kimberly, as you said in the intro, I've been doing this work for 35 years in all kinds of organizations with all types of changes uh, made by anyone. And what I found is that in distilling what I had learned, I, I wrote this book for the listener out there that is frustrated that the results that they're achieving in the change work they're leading are too slow, uh, too hard, or in some way too disappointing. And I believe that there are, um, as the book says, faster, easier, better ways to get that job done. And so I sat back and actually during the uh, beginning of the pandemic, sat down and over a couple of months, uh, wrote up what I have come to believe about what leads to successful change. Okay, great. And um, you had written other books, and this is a little bit different because in this book you're talking about um, using levers. Okay, and so how did you come up with this approach to change, and what does that exactly mean? Great. So uh, if people were in my office with me, they would see I actually have a chalk drawing on my wall that I commissioned 25 years ago, and it is a picture of a man named Archimedes. Now, 25 years ago, I did not know that Archimedes was going to figure so prominently in my in my writing career. But for those who don't know, Archimedes was a third century BC Greek mathematician. And he is the one who coined the phrase. And in a way to describe what leverage was, he said, give me a level long enough and a fulcrum on which to place it and single handed, I shall move the world. And so I believe that people can move their worlds in the arena of change by using these levers or uh, strategic actions that in some way you could see as small tasks to complete, small actions. So so you're using these levers um, to complete st- small actions, big actions. Can, can those be, you know, these are kind of, this is a universal concept. Um, can that be adapted to individual businesses? Yeah, in fact, one of the uh, coolest thing about the levers, Kimberly, is their flexibility. So these can be applied to individuals. If, if you're having a conversation uh, with your boss or direct report and you want faster, easier, better results around that, you can use them in your team if you happen to be leading one, whether it's directly related to change or it could just be a regular uh, weekly staff meeting or across entire organizations or, or between organizations. Uh, You can use these levers at the beginning of a change effort or in the middle while you're already underway. If your listeners are saying, well, I have an approach that has worked well for me, um, but I would like to turbocharge it. So how do you make a good thing better is another way to use the levers. So their flexibility, I think, is is one of the greatest strengths of them. And the way I like to describe it is they play well with others. So you don't have to give up what you're doing or stop or uh, restart or anything that's going to get in your way. I I write in the book that this is kind of like when you're running and somebody's coaching you and running rather than pulling you off the track and trying to have you learn, but you stop making progress while you're learning. What I'd like 
people to do is think about this like I'm running alongside you and giving you a few tips and advice, you know, lean forward a little bit, uh, stay on your toes, whatever those tips may be. But they're easy things for you to do that are going to make a big difference over the long haul of that race. And so that's really the significance of using the levers is going back to that story about Archimedes. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's a, this is a really interesting approach, and I want to start to talk about the levers. But before before we go into the levers, a, a question for you, because in your book, you know, as you start to um, implement change, in your book you say, the clearer the desired results, the closer you are to achieving them. So is that kind of a prerequisite before you even start to start to use some of these levers? Yeah, I I have a funny story about that. One of my colleagues, when I was talking with them about the book, before I actually had sat down to commence to writing it, and um, I knew that this faster, easier, better was going to be a mantra for the book. And they said to me, well, but, you know, what if you find that you've got the wrong results Mm -hmm. and what you're getting are faster, easier, better (laughs) versions of the wrong answer? And I have talked with clients for a long time about how to sink their ship faster, better, and easier. (laughs) And so if you are aiming for the wrong thing, so Archimedes, if you can imagine, your listeners can imagine having that fulcrum, that stone, and a large boulder on the other side, and then this this lever, this long uh, log that he used back in the day. And the whole concept of the leverage was what resources did he have available and what boulder was he trying to move? Now, his resources, he was not as strong as other men, but he had the ingenuity to use a lever. Well, the question is, which boulder are you moving? And so I put a whole chapter in the book on results because I think they're absolutely essential. If you get the wrong result, it doesn't matter how well the levers work. They're just going to, as I told my clients, sink your ship, you know, more efficiently and faster. So spending time and being clear and the clearer you can get about those results. I talk in the book about sort of putting yourself into a multimedia environment, right? How do you get the fabric of the future as something that you can feel, taste and touch? It becomes something so real that you can step into it and live in that future. That's the difference between having really clear results and the kind that are, well, we think we'd like to get this done, but we're not really sure. And that level of of, uh, fuzziness, the way that I talk about it in the book, really gets in the way of successful change. If you don't know where you're going, then you're going to end up getting there. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And you also talk about, you just said something about the future. And you also talk about in your book about thinking and acting as the future is now. Okay. Why should we do that? Well, each of these levers deals with a common problem that people and organizations bump up against when they're trying to bring about change. So, The problem that this lever, think and act as if the future were now, deals with is change being too slow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I have worked with uh, a lot of leaders. We have a a group consultation program where leaders come together to work on applying the levers. And in those sessions, the most common complaint that I've had is that change is too slow because they find people resisting it. 
Mm-hmm. And so the speed of change, when you look at the number of changes and how fast they're coming in organizations today, speed is a key criteria of success. So when I talk about think and act as if the future were now, what I'm saying is I think that what's getting in the way of the speed of change is really a flawed paradigm. I think that people have a way of looking at the future that says it's out there, it's going to occur at some later point in time. And if it's going to occur at a later point in time, what that means by definition is we have to wait for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the present and I've got to wait for that future. And I, you know, I'll follow the clock, whether it's weeks or months or years, but it's something that I have to wait on. And what I'm saying is if you can think and act as if that future were today and start behaving differently today, as if you were in the future you preferred, it accelerates the pace of change. So let me give you a practical example. I was working with a leadership team and they said, well, we wanted to have a participative organization. And that was something that was really important to them. They believed it would be a competitive advantage. Okay, fine. So I said, well, what are you doing about it? And they said, well, you know, we've got this program we're going to roll out and we're doing some training and all these things were things that were good ideas, but they weren't going to make change happen now. So I said to them, look, if you were to send a message to the organization and say, if you were thinking and acting as a participative organization, how would you be dealing with this agenda item right now in your meeting? And they looked at each other and they said, well, we get more participation for one thing. And I said, all right, well, let's go find some people and bring them in the room. And they said, now? And I said, absolutely now especially now. I said, why are we going to wait to participate, right? Let's make that culture something that people can see, hear, taste, and touch right here in this meeting. And they did actually go out into the hallway and they grabbed a couple of people. They were a little shocked and a little <laughs> taken aback, like, you know, what, am I getting in trouble and didn't I get my job done? Well, well what happened was the rumor mill, the most efficient communication system <laughs> in an organization, the rumor mill went wild by the afternoon that they had actually reached into the organization and brought people in real time into a decision-making meeting. And it was for more information and better information leading to better decisions. And so when I talk about think and act as if the future were now, I'm looking and I'm saying, look, today, what can I do differently? And like that leadership team, the more we can push our paradigm about not waiting for the future, but living it as if it were here today, even if you're not totally clear about it, any image that you have that you can start living today, it is going to pick up the pace of change and increase what I call the believability index. Mm-hmm. People will look around and they will see that change is occurring. It's not something that I have to wonder, well, is this for real or not? What I'm saying is look to your left and right. You will see people behaving in new and different and better ways. And that just starts a positive cycle where you get more and more new ways of doing business, taking hold and people noticing them and building on those. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's uh, great. We're going to, um, you know, thinking about the future now, I just one quick comment, um, Jake, is that, you know, when the pandemic happened, we were living the future now, you know, and I'm wondering, you know, well, what kind of impact that has. But we're going to take a short, we're going to take a short break. And for our listeners, we are talking to Jake Jacobs, and he's the author of Leverage Change, Eight Ways to Achieve Faster, Easier, Better Results. And it's fresh off the press this month and he's also the author of real-time strategic change how to involve an entire organization in fast and far-reaching change you can reach him on his website www.jakejacobsconsulting.com and on linkedin under robert jake jacobs and at twitter under at jake jacobs and with that we're going to take a short break and when we come back jake i want to talk about some of these levers that you have referenced in your book and we'll be right back Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And and today we're talking about change. I mean, we've all lived through a lot of change over the last 18 months, but um, we're not talking about only personal change, but organizational change. And we're talking with Jake Jacobs, and he's the author of Leverage Change, Eight Ways to Achieve Faster, Easier, Better Results. Um on Amazon, fresh off the press, uh, get the book. I recommend it. It's it's really fantastic. And so, before before the break, Jake, we're talking about the future now. Okay, and um, the only comment I had was when you were talking about this, I was thinking about the pandemic. We were actually 
um, forced to to look at the future now and, and how it's probably exactly what you said, you know, our natural instincts to wait. And when a situation comes like that, we can't wait. So I think that was really good advice on, on the future now. But I'd like to go into some of the other leverage uh, levers you have. And you talk about continuity. And you talk about paying attention to continuity. Could you talk about that a little bit and why is that so important? Yeah, so... Kimberly, when most people, almost every single one, maybe except me, deals with change, that's what they talk about. And and at some level, at face value, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, isn't that what we're trying to accomplish? And so a lot of time and energy um, and words get devoted to what's going to be new and different. And what I do is something different than most. And I talk also about what is not going to change. And I think there are a lot of advantages when you start paying attention to what I call in the levers continuity. So continuity is about what are we bringing from the past into the future? And there are best practices that we pay attention to. There are many things that uh, there's wisdom from the past that we don't want to lose as we move forward. And if you listen in organizations during times of change to leaders, what they most often are talking about is a case for change. Having a list of things that are going to be different, why they need to be different, and on this move to try and convince people that this is a good idea. Now, I'm not against the case for change, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be paying attention to change. But what I am saying is that's like one hand clapping. The other hand is about continuity. And so I have had clients where I sit down with them and I say, look, let's make a list of all of the changes that are taking place as part of this effort. And we go through and we make as many possible changes up on that list as we can. And, you know, people start to slump down in their chairs. They start to hold their heads in their hands. You know, it starts to get a little overwhelming. And that's the way that people in the organization feel anyway, right? Because that's what they hear. Now, I say, all right, now let's post those on the wall. Let's get another flip chart out. And let's make a list of all those things that we're going to continue doing that we've done in the past. Except this time, make the list twice as long as that list of things that you're going to change. And you know what? It gets easier and easier for them to start making that list about who's working with who, what their job is, where they work, what time they come into work. Like there's so many things that are continuing from the past. But if you don't pay attention to those, what you do is you create an anxiety-ridden organization. People are always waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're always worried about their future. So the metaphor that I use for people, Kimberly, is to say, look, if you can get a firm footing from the continuity and certainty from your past, you can much more likely to take a leap into the unknown future with that foot on firm ground. And so I think that the whole notion of do we pay attention to change? Do we pay attention to continuity? The answer to that question is yes. And too many people, I think, miss the boat because there is that other hand clapping and people appreciate when you see what's worked in the past and you actually pay attention to it. And and one other thing I would tell your listeners, which is that if in fact you don't talk about continuity, People will not hear it. 
And by that, I mean, if all you do is get up there and talk about change, even if you think, well, that's all right, we, we're going to continue doing a lot of things we are. If you don't say that out loud and you don't give them a chance to list those, you don't get credit. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine, Jake, that that, you know, even just thinking about that as an employee or that would that would make be less stressful. You know, you you're reminding them, you know, what's good, the routine is going to stay and maybe take some of that anxiety out. Absolutely. And I've seen it, you know, like I said, I, I've worked for 35 years. One of the, the, the easiest ways to get people moving on a bandwagon of change is paradoxical. It is focus on continuity. And people are, you know, I've said, look, if you want radical change, then figure out a way to create radical continuity. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. So, you know, with this continuity and as you leap into the future, okay, um, something you talk about in your book is uh, about a plan and a course of action. So, you know, how important is that to be detailed? Um, how do you, you know, how do you do that? You know, what's your first step you take? So there's a lever that's called design it yourself. Mm-hmm. And this deals with the problem of people rejecting change approaches because they're not invented here. So if you've you know been part of a change effort, one of the questions is, you know, have you ever worked in our industry? Have you ever worked with our size organization? Have you ever worked with the kind of issues that we're dealing with? And the answer to that one should be, of course, yes, most experienced consultants have. But The real issue is each organization is unique. So what your purpose is for your effort, what your outcomes are, and what your roadmap, I am a firm believer that that's something you have to craft yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not, again, saying that there are bad models out there and, you know, we shouldn't be paying attention to what's worked in the past because there are aspects of change efforts and organizations that that worked. And you should bring those forward with you, just like we were talking about in terms of continuity. But when you look at what the answers can be and how you can come to those, I think that these levers around having a plan that you own, that you are proud of creating, that is the pathway to the future you want to claim for yourself, it's a very powerful thing to say to an organization, you know best how to get from point A to point B. Let's figure that out together. And rather than coming in and saying, look, I've got six steps or eight phases or whatever it is that I think you should follow, And that puts an organization in a disempowered place, I think. It makes them sort of toe the line at the time when they should be grabbing the reins. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. um, Jake, when you're you're working with the organization and developing this plan, and they're developing this plan, I mean, organizations, regardless of how big or small, there's a lot going on. and, And each member of the organization makes decisions every day that may impact that plan or that future direction. So how do you get alignment with that. Right. So there's another lever. Funny that you should ask, right, Kimberly? (laughs) So there's a lever that's called create a common database. And what this deals with is this very issue of alignment that you're talking about. So a lot of times what happens in organizations is that we don't have the same information available to people. And so I believe that 
reasonable people exposed to reasonably the same information will come up with reasonably the same conclusions. So it's really about getting the whole organization smart about what it is that they're dealing with. So here's an example from a client that I worked with last year. And it's an energy company and it was a merger and acquisition. So in this merger and acquisition, there were a lot of complex financial instruments that needed to be part of the process to pull this uh, acquisition off. And so there were floating interest rates and there were convertible bonds and a lot of things that, you know, you might need an MBA in finance to be able to really follow what was happening. So these are the sort of things that people lower in the organization don't ever hear about. But when we did this work in the organization, we said, look, for people to understand why is it that we need to make these changes happen quickly and why we need to turn the balance sheet around quickly on this is because of all the money that we can save on the interest rates and on these bonds that we've got outstanding. We actually held mini MBA courses for people on the front lines. And so there were roustabouts and geoscientists and other people in the organization that were learning about these convertible bonds and other financial instruments. And the reason was because that's what led to alignment. When the penny dropped and people understood the complexity of the situation and what the financial implications were, they got on board. It made sense. And so you don't have to do this convincing. If you can get common information shared throughout the system, I can trust you to go out and do the right thing without micromanaging you because you understand the big picture. You understand the strategic intent. Those kind of questions aren't reserved for the top of the house. They're part of everybody's job every day. Mm-hmm. And and I can imagine that also helps because one of the things, Jake, that I've always seen with change and, and you know, people making their own decisions and going in different directions also have a lot to do, okay? And, you know, I've seen companies say, well, we're going to put an extra focus group on change, okay? Or we're going to, you know, take somebody off their job and put them on change, okay? I mean, how do you deal with everything that goes in the organization and what people have on their plates and getting them to try to implement change? Okay. (laughs) If you're out there listening, if you could raise your hand and say, I have either said myself or I have heard a colleague say, I have too much on my plate, please (laughs) raise your hand now. Right. Everybody, me included, has had this phrase come across our lips at some point in our career, if not on a daily basis. So this is a problem. So what lever do we do and deal with in terms of I have too much on my plate? Well, I developed a lever called make change work part of daily work. And so this deals with this too much on the plate. So this isn't going to work in every situation. Um, Some massive changes that need to be made need special attention and resources and people and time. I understand that. But there's a lot of change that can happen as part of daily work. The Japanese call this Kaizen. And what it's about is continuous improvement. So Again, I had a client that I was working with, a leadership team, and they wanted to do some team building. Now, typically what happens is go to an offsite, right? Find some place, take two, three days, and go to work on your teamwork. Well, in this case, I was consulting to the leader in this group consultation program, and I said to her, I said, listen, what if you made improving your team part of every agenda in every meeting? 
And she said, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, allocate 30 minutes every meeting that you have with your team to improving your teamwork. And we started to put together a plan that said, all right, well, that first 30 minutes, we're going to do feedback. And we're going to share feedback with one person and talk about what we could use from them in terms of new behaviors, what we could keep doing from their behaviors, and what we could stop doing. Very basic stuff. But in that conversation with that person, it took place without a special change effort, without a special task force meeting or something on Friday afternoons. This was part of the daily work. And what happened was it started to take hold in the organization. So anytime there was a meeting, they built in an extra 30 minutes to improve performance of whatever that team was and whatever they were doing. So in that way, change work became part of daily work. And once they become one and the same, now you've got a whole organization of change makers out there improving performance or whatever your goal may be because they're doing it as part of their regular, quote, day job now includes a change job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that, I mean, that's a great way. It kind of happens without you knowing it, you know, <laughs> and you're kind of go, going along and doing it every day. Um, that I think that's an important point, Jake. And we're going to take a short break. And um, even if this is happening every day, when we come back, Jake, I want to talk about, you know, um, getting buy-in and what to do with the people who don't buy in and, and, you know, how to make them feel. I think there's a leverage you have, you know, a future that people want to call their own. So we're going to address that after the break. And for our listeners, we are talking with Jake Jacobs, and he is the author of Leverage Change, Eight Ways to Achieve Faster, Easier, Better Results. And this is a, on Amazon, great book, fresh off the press. So please go to Amazon and order it. He also has a number of other books on Amazon, so you can check out Jake when you're there. And you can also go to his website at www.jake.com jacobsconsulting.com and he's on LinkedIn under Robert Jake Jacobs and on Twitter under at Jake Jacobs and this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations they hold virtual trainings conferences market research legislative white papers and for more information on Cinda please go to www.cinda.org And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. 
Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's Business Channel. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we are talking with Jake Jacobs, and he is the author of Leverage Change, Eight Ways to Achieve Faster, Easier, Better Results. Great book, fresh off the press this month and available on Amazon. So, Jake, we talked about, before, we talked about, you know, making change part of your daily work, okay? And, and I think your story on that leadership team is fantastic. But on the other hand, even if you do that, you still have to get buy-in as a leader, okay? Um, so, you know, how, what's the best way to get buy-in and how do you deal with those troublemakers who, who really don't buy-in or don't make a commitment? Right. Okay. So let's take these one at a time, right? Yep. Um, I'm going to talk about um, people who are talking about what I say, what's in it for me. Okay. So what's in it for me? In my clients, in fact, they call it WIFM. They actually, you know, there's an acronym for everything. So what's in it for me, if you spell it out. When people ask this question, when it comes time to change, most people will tell you, well, they're thinking selfishly. I mean, they're only thinking about themselves. If they would think about the rest of the organization, they wouldn't be asking that question. And what I say to that is, no, no. I actually think it's human nature. We look out for number one, and that's not a bad thing. So if somebody's asking a question, what's in it for me? And as a change leader, we don't have a good answer for them. Then I think the problem's with us, not with them. So there's a lever called develop a future that people want to call their own. Mm -hmm. So this deals with this what's in it for me problem, because if I have a future that I want to call my own, well, then I'm not worried about what's in it for me. What's in it for me is exciting possibilities to stretch my potential, to make a contribution, to serve the customer. These are all part of an exciting future. So this what's in it for me comes off the table entirely. And so when they're like stepping back and saying, wait, I want to watch out for number one. You know, what I say to them is good. Start there and then expand your horizons because I want to make sure that you know there's an exciting future waiting for you and then we can build into an exciting future for everybody else. So that's one piece on, you know, like what's in it for me. Now, troublemakers is a favorite topic of mine because again, I think I take a unique view on that. Most people see troublemakers as causing trouble. That's why they got the name. 
right? And these are the people, you know, if your listeners are thinking about, you know, who feels like fingernails on a chalkboard, right? They make you tear your hair out. They're like always asking one more question. They're, you know, not voting with the rest of the team when you come up with an answer. I mean, they're they're a problem and, and they make you crazy. Well, I've got a different way to look at them that's going to make them your best friend, right? So I have a saying, learn to love your troublemakers. What does that look like is to say troublemaking is in the eye of the beholder. So if I see you, Kimberly, as a troublemaker, you will tend to cause trouble for me. If I reframe it and say you have a valuable point of view that is different than mine, and what I need to do is listen to you so that you've got my backside, you're looking out for things that I'm not even paying attention to. Rather than trying to dismiss you, the fewer and the less powerful you are as a troublemaker, the more I need to listen to you and ask you questions and act on the insights that you have because the very reason that you see things that I don't. So I think that troublemakers get a bad rap in organizations because people don't appreciate them. And I know learning to love a troublemaker is a big ask. I mean, these are people who've driven you crazy for a long time, (laughs) right? So it's like, what's this guy? Easy for him. He's on a podcast and he's going to go back to his work. And, you know, he doesn't know how bad I've got it. Well, let me tell you, after 35 years, I know how bad bad can get. And what I'm saying is, is that take a different perspective, change your paradigm and see these people as valuable team members, critical team members that you can't get from point A to point B without and start treating them that way. And what I have found and my clients have found is these are terrific contributors and they care just as much as you, which is why they've been creating all this mischief. They care about the future of the organization. And so they keep fighting for it, even though they keep getting pushed down and pushed out of the way for so long. That's a great perspective to think of that way that I think many of our listeners have not done. And and that brings me to a question that I read in your book, because you also say in your book, and it might be related to this, that the four most powerful words in any change work could be, could you say more? Um, why are they so powerful? Yeah. Well, could you say more is an invitation. Now, most of the time, we actually don't want to hear what these troublemakers have to say, right? And and I, this is a true story. I had a client, right? Uh, this is one of these individual consultations that I that I was doing. So I was just like individual coaching with somebody about the work they were doing, and I was coming in and I I did interviews with the rest of the team, and they said, "Look, everything's fine here except for Harry." <clears throat> and I said, "What do you mean?" And they said, "He's our only problem." I said, well, why is he your only problem? Well, he disagrees with this and he comes, you know, to the meetings with new information. And just when we're ready to make a decision, he puts his hand up and there goes Harry again. And, you know, we know we've got this problem and if we could only get so on and on, I go person to person, they all have the same thing to say. And so I go and I talk to my client and I said, well, you know, clearly we're going to have to do something about this. And I go away to write up, you know, a summary of the interviews and I come back two weeks later and and they say, hi, how you doing, Jake? And I said, well, great. How are you? And they said, super. 
And there was like a, 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 you know, a little spring in their step that hadn't been there two weeks ago. So I pulled somebody aside and I said, well, what, what's going on? And they said, nothing, you know, you know, whistling happy tunes. And I said, so what's going on with Harry these days? And they said, oh, it's great. We figured out a solution to that problem. And I said, oh, that's super. What, what are you doing? And they said, we just don't tell them when we're meeting anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> so... This was the solution to Harry, uh, right? So when I say, could you say more? It's for the Harrys in the world yeah. to say, you know, if you have to assume there's insight and wisdom in everybody around you. And so as a leader, if you can stop, look, listen, just saying, could you say more? Even when people are starting to, you know, like you could feel the heat going up in the room, the the, you know, hairs on the back of your neck standing up. If you can just force those four words of, could you say more out of your mouth, they make it a safe space. So much mm -hmm. is written these days about psychological safety in teams. And, you know, it, at Google, they did all of this research and they figured out that was the one element that was part of every high performing team is people felt safe in them. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're saying, could you say more, it's a safe space for people to share whatever it is they're thinking. Yeah, that's a very good point, an excellent story. And um, Jake, when you know, relating relating to that story, in thinking about all you know, the trouble, not the troublemakers, the people who have something to say. Okay, and yeah, yeah. So, okay, um, you know, what about change? Uh, change fatigue. I mean, we hear that from leaders, or we hear that from employees a lot. Oh, you know, we are so tired of change. You know, um, how how do you approach that within an organization? And so, does it really exist? Okay, that's another question. Or is it just kind of a excuse? Well, I would say this. If you're the person experiencing change fatigue, then it's real for you. Mm -hmm. So I, I may say, come on, it's not that bad. But I, I deal with change for a living. So my tolerance for it's pretty high. Um, but for most people in organizations, they are tired of it. Mm -hmm. You know, the, there's there's a reorganization every two years in some organization somewhere. Mm -hmm. And when I start, when I come in to work with organizations, it's about change. And people can get exhausted because the stress that gets associated with it can be huge. And people can take it home with them. They can bring it into their next meeting. It impacts performance. It impacts morale. It impacts energy, impacts the quality of thinking that people can do. There's brain research that says, you know, under stress, we make worse decisions. We close down and we take in less information so we can make less informed decisions. So I think change fatigue is very real and a lot of people suffer from it. This lever of pay attention to continuity is the best antidote to it that I found. Mm -hmm. So continuing to focus on change when you're already fatigued by it is compounding the problem. And so it's like salt in a wound. If you can find ways to pay attention to continuity amidst all that change, it's like a salve. It's something that's going to give people a chance to breathe a chance to look at the whole picture. Like I said earlier, both hands clapping. So you get the whole picture. And in getting the whole picture, you start to get some appreciation that no, everything in the world is not changing. I'm not being bombarded by these things. I do have a choice. I do have some self-control over how I'm going to respond to what's going on around me. And if I notice 
that changes part of the equation, but it's not my entire existence, mm-hmm. that fatigue starts to go away. Yeah. yeah, this continuity, that's a great way to deal with that. And um, I hope our listeners are noting it. And I know you do talk about that a lot in your book. But I can I can relate to how that would help with this whole change fatigue. Um, just we're getting towards the end, Jake, and I think we could we could go on forever and ever because there's so much to talk about here. But as last subject, I just want to hear your thoughts on planned change and unknown change. Okay, 18 months ago we were thrown into change with the pandemic, all of us organizations, everything, something we didn't know. And now we're talking about how we we we're talking about or how organizations also plan change. Um what what's the difference? How, is there a difference in handling it or do you still use the leverages that you're talking about when it's unknown changed? So the way that I think about this Kimberly is um There's plan change, as you said, which is you can map out and things are clear. You know what those deliverables are. There's also emergent change. Mm -hmm. This is the stuff that you can't predict that is coming down the pike and you can be surprised by it. The, The best way I know to deal with surprises is to get in front of the curve on them. So that you can start to gather this information, look out at your environment, look out at your competition, and start to play with what I call scenarios. Mm -hmm. What might happen if, and then play what if games. So a client that I was working with actually was um, a mining company, and they were looking at their competitive landscape. And what we did is we came up with five scenarios for what the future could look like and where they could be positioned in it. And so starting to ask that question, I I said to them, look, starting to ask that question is getting you more than halfway home Mm -hmm. because it's starting to wake you up to the possibilities of what might be in your future. And as you start to pay attention to those possibilities, you can start to develop competencies, you could start to develop strategies, you can start to develop skills, knowledge, abilities that are needed to compete in whatever that future may be for you. So while I'm a big proponent of plan change, I am also a big proponent of paying attention to and being prepared to deal with emergent change. Mm -hmm. And so the, the levers work with both of these situations. Like I said in the beginning, they are really, really flexible. And that's one of the great gifts that they give you. And they are a gift they keep on giving. So you can take these in to a situation where you're mapping out a whole change effort. And then you find as you go, one of the levers is called start with impact, follow the energy. So follow the energy means look where work wants to be done. You can start where you can make a difference. It doesn't have to be at the top of the house. It doesn't have to be at the bottom of the organization. Where can you make a difference? And then where to go next is a question that gets asked and answered by the organization. Where are people ready to do work? Where are they eager to do work? Where does work need to be done? What's your next best action is one of the favorite questions that I ask clients because you don't have to think all the way to the end of time. Things are going to shift and change as you move, but what's your next best action is a really valuable question to have in your hip pocket. It sure is. I can I can see that. So, Jake, um, we're pretty much at the end of our show. So, just this has been really great, informative, a great book. Um, one 
last tip, um, if you had one sentence, one tip for our listeners, our leaders listening out there, what would that be? Ask, listen, act. So if you can ask questions, be curious, don't know that you have all the answers, but find out what others think by asking and making that could you say more conversation the one that's the norm in the organization. And then listen to what people are saying. I'm not arguing that you got to do what everybody else says. Of course not. But listen to what they're saying and see if you can get below the surface to meaning beyond just the message. What are they getting at? What is important to them? Why do I need to pay attention to what they're pointing out? I had a client once where um, those who are familiar with Myers-Briggs, it's a, it's a personality temperament sorter, and there are preferences that we have about how we make sense of the world. This woman was the opposite of the rest of the team on every one of these preferences. So she saw the world really differently than everybody else on the team. In that case, they were ready to fire her. And I said, wait a minute, let's take this questionnaire and see. And the CEO ended up saying she was the most valuable member of her team because he started to listen to her because again, she saw the world differently. So when people start to say, I think, and you go, "Mm, I'm not sure I agree, Fight that urge to discount them, spend a little bit more time asking a few more questions and listening. And then when you've got a full common database, when you've got a full picture of what's going on, then act. But if you act from an uninformed place, it's a risky business to be in. Great, great last tip, Jake. So much. It's been great. It's been great listening to you. And again, we've been talking to Jake Jacobson. He's the author of Leverage Change, Eight Ways to Achieve Faster, Easier, Better Results. A great book, fresh off the press and available on Amazon. If you'd like to reach out to Jake, please go to www.jakejacobsconsulting.com. Jake is also on LinkedIn under Robert Jake Jacobs and on Twitter over at Jake, Jake, at Jake Jacobs. And you've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business station. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations, supporting SMBs, SMEs in Europe. And they hold virtual trainings, conferences, and market research. Go to www.cinda.org for more information. Their next conference is going to be held in Berlin in October 2021. And please listen to us 3 p.m. specific time on Tuesdays. And if you miss us, don't worry because we are on every major podcast platform. So with that, Jake, once again, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Kimberly. Okay, And listeners, thank you. And please tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.